Sports, the local sports leader. Suns insider Kellen Olsen joins Burns and Gambo to talk Phoenix Suns basketball. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Kellen Olsen, Arizona Sports. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the Valley. Uh, oh, yeah. Can you say it again? I'm Kellen. Welcome to the Valley. Nice to meet you. Courtside with Kellen. Brought to you by Southwest Gas. Committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Our weekly visit with our son's guru, Kellen Olson, joins us via the telephone line here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, coming off last night's game against the Milwaukee Bucks, tomorrow's game against the Utah Jazz, tomorrow's trade deadline. There's plenty going on, and Kellen is joining us on the phone line right now. Kellen, how you doing today, man? Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's first start off by saying and giving credit to the entire Phoenix Suns organization. Kellen, I saw your tweet last night, and Bernsey tweeted about it too. But a tremendous uh, you know, job by the Phoenix Suns entire organization to honor Dave King uh, from Bright Side of the Sun, who passed away on January 27th at a very young age. They did a great job in recognizing him and his accomplishments to sports media and Suns coverage. So, I know you took a picture of the flowers that are on the desk and his name that was there. And I, I you know, I, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed seeing the Suns uh, pay some, some homage to Dave King. Yeah, it was great to see uh, the moment of silence for Dave, um, the recognition from Matt Ishbia on the Suns' own account that day, and then Devin Booker on his own Instagram page as well. Dave, as you guys know, was a big part of the community. Um, I wouldn't be on the phone with you guys right now if it wasn't. For Dave, uh, he took me to my first Suns practice when I was covering the Suns for Bright Side of the Sun. Um, I, I got credential for my first game to cover the Suns uh, seven years ago, uh, eight years ago now, uh, because of Dave. And yeah, it's funny that you guys, it, it, we were talking about him with the open that you guys just played. That was from the Kevin Durant intro presser where there were thousands of fans sitting directly behind us as we asked questions. It was an odd experience. And the media member to get the largest reception from the crowd was Dave. Uh, Dave was the guy when he introduced himself. He got a, he got a lot of cheers from the audience. People were excited to see Dave, and I think that's with uh, good reason. He he really established himself over the last decade as a go-to guy. Where I know you guys for your show prep, you go to BrightSideOfTheSun.com every morning, and you knew Dave King was going to have something new for you guys to talk about on the show. So you will be very very missed. Very much so. Very well said, uh, <laughs> Kellen Olson, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. All right, uh, you were at the game last night. I was at the game last night. I noticed the exact same thing you did. He's going to come on the show about an hour from right now. So I want to ask you about the reaction that just getting up off the bench and taking his warm-ups off that Bol Bol has on the crowd when he does that. You you mentioned it. I saw it, too. There does seem to be almost an advantage in that at home because he really brings some oomph to that crowd, doesn't he? He does. I haven't seen anything like it before on the Suns. I asked Book if he had any teammates in Phoenix that he can remember like that. He shouted out Jimmer for death. That was more of a brief stint, though, and it was at a very different time when the Suns weren't that good. And in this time, they were pretty darn good basketball team. It's kind of like we think about them like the Pat Burke All-Stars, right? You guys remember Pat Burke back in the day? Oh, of course. That guy who <laughs> yeah. just enamored the fans. And, and Bull Bull's got some of that in him, but here's the thing. He's like five million times more talented at basketball than Pat Burke was, <laughs> and he's capable of doing anything at any time. That scoop layup was absurd. It looked like he was playing on a Nerf hoop with 
like 6'10 grown men on an NBA basketball court. The block, the recovery block that he had in the corner in transition was great. And I loved what Kevin Durant said after the game is that he, he thinks Bull is a, a much smarter player on the court than people give him credit for. Really shouted out the worker that he is and then said, like, we're going to start to hold him to a standard now. And he's going to have to keep his head down and continue to work. But we're not worried about that at all because that's what he does. He keeps to himself. He stays quiet. He just keeps working, and they know they're going to get that out of him. I know that me and Burnsy were the more pessimistic of the two when he got here. I went back and watched a couple of Magic games when they acquired him, and I was not optimistic at all with how he would fit on this team. But what he has done is sort of reinvented himself. He's not really doing the, the cross-hesitation 18-foot pull-up anymore. He's turning himself into an energy player, and that's exactly what this team needs. And you guys know this better than me. That's exactly what the crowd will respond to as well. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's interesting, Kellen, because when I, when I first reported that the Suns were, were going to go after and get Bowl Bowl, it was about a week to 10 days before they got him, and I there was a lot of reaction. It was a lot of fan reaction. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I was told from the beginning was it's not like we expect him to come in here and play game one, game two, week one, week two. It's like we think he's a guy worth developing. We think he's a guy with a lot of skill that we can work with, get our coaching staff, get to get our hands on him, work with him for a few months and see what could happen. I think that's exactly kind of how it played out. It took them some time before they actually felt comfortable putting him into a, putting him into a basketball game. Yeah, and it's such a difference maker for them to have a reserve outside of Eric Gordon who's consistently impacting games. Look, it's only been four games, so we're going to wait a couple of more weeks before declaring that he's a part of the of the rotation going forward or the playoff rotation or anything like that. But even if you look at last night, he's in those lineups where I, I dubbed it the Monstars lineup in my column because they looked at Kevin Durant, Bull Bull, and a center out there, which is just a gigantic long lineup. And that was something Vogel wanted to get a look at because Bull Bull's been playing really well and he wants to look at different ways to use him. That's a bit of a limited lineup in terms of the spacing and all of that, but all of that stuff doesn't matter for them right now. They've got a reserve that's playing well, like I said. He's been playing very well and he's been very refined in his role. It's been really impressive to see him sort of adapt and sort of change the trajectory of his career if this keeps up. Kellen Olson, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. One of my observations from last night's game, and I'm curious to, to throw by you and see what you think, is it, it felt like it didn't, didn't necessarily feel like a playoff game, but it felt like Frank Vogel was throwing out a playoff-type lineup out there in the sense that he kept it real tight, eight guys played, lots of shots for the big three. I mean, a lot of shots for the big three. It feels like that's the kind of game we can expect expect from this team come April and May and hopefully June. Are there pitfalls to that? Did you like it? Did you not? What, what was your kind of reaction to how everything was distributed in last night's game? Yeah, I liked it because I think we're right around the point where we talked about this last year where, okay, like this is your last time to like go give you to want not be another chance in the rotation. This is kind of, we're at that point now where you kind of want to cut it off to your eight, nine, 10 guys don't really experiment as much anymore and let these guys build and grow together. I actually did think that it felt like a playoff game in terms of the competitiveness and the physicality. It's just the quality of play was so terrible that it wasn't anywhere close to a playoff game, but I thought the physicality and the competitiveness between the two teams was really there, even with the guys that Milwaukee was missing. And yeah, I think that is the, that is the script, right? Is that, okay, Devin Booker scores 16 in the third and then, Bradley Beal starts to get going in the fourth, and Kevin Durant starts to get going. I think it was 11 of 13 for Durant and Beal combined in the fourth quarter yeah. after Booker went off in the third. And, and that's the type of thing that they should be able to do. It's, it, we've been talking so much about the fourth quarter 
and, and they have so much work to do there. But the possibilities are that it can be the other way around, where they just hit you with these three different guys for the full second half, and you just have no answers, and then the game's over. Like, it doesn't keep going. You don't get any more chances because it's done. And I think those are the types of performances that we can expect out of those three guys a lot more. It's been a lot of rumors over the last couple of weeks. I've done my best to try to you know give the people as much information as I can. The Suns did want to try to get Fontecchio from the Jazz, but they didn't have the assets to go do it. They kicked the tires on a bunch of different players. Let me ask you, are you okay right now with the way they're playing if they stand pat and don't make any moves at the trade deadline tomorrow? No, uh, I think they need to make a move. Now, should they absolutely do a move no matter what? No, there's a delicate balance there because the problem that they have right now is that their assets are so limited to where if they make a significant commitment in a trade, let's say it's three second-round picks and not little in, in a deal. They don't really have anything else to trade then in the offseason. Like, they'll get a first-round pick coming up here eventually that'll become tradable in, in a year, but outside of that, they're really going to run out of assets to move. So that one move that you make, if it is a one-move thing and it's not like just a second-round pick and a trade exception or whatever, if it is that type of move, you need to make sure that it's one that's going to last for you. And I think that's why Fontecchio made a lot of sense to me, Gambo, is because he's a restricted free agent coming up this summer and you can retain him. You guys will remember back when we were talking about tax implications and the luxury tax and the second tax. What Steve Ballmer did in Los Angeles is he traded for Norman Powell and Robert Covington. And he's like, sure, I'll resign him. I don't care how much more money it costs. And that's the type of thing that I think we can expect here is that if the Suns trade for someone, I believe it's going to be someone who they believe they have a shot at retaining beyond the season or is under contract for multiple seasons because they don't have much else to trade and completely agree with what you were reporting, Gambo, and their thought process on that, which is that they're not going to trade for some guy who maybe might be in the rotation. They're going to trade for someone who they believe will be in the rotation because, again, like they don't have enough assets to really make two of those types of moves for like a big time rotation player potentially it's really just one and it would have to be finding the right deal so i expect them to target those type of guys like fontecchio where you have some potential long-term uh, capability there with keeping them around the valley for a, for a while our son's guru kellen olson also the co-host of our empire of the sun's podcast which can be heard and downloaded via arizonasports.com itunes android all that stuff kellen we appreciate the time man thanks for coming on for a few stay well Thanks, guys. I took a day off today. I don't know if that's going to backfire or not. Let's see. Gamble, can you keep them from doing anything for the next like wow. seven hours? I got planned. Usually, it's when I take a day off. Something that everything all everything goes to hell in a handbasket when I take off. We'll be, we'll say a prayer for you, Kellen. Yeah. We're praying for you. We're lighting a candle. All right. See what we can do. Oh no, Gamble, Bob. Please, Lord. Please. Lord. I think you're safe. Okay, I, th- I, I think you're safe today. I think you're safe today. <laughs> Enjoy the day. I hope. Kellen Olson, listen for your name today at 4:20 p.m. Your chance to qualify, win a trip for two to witness the Cardinals make their pick in Detroit. Once you hear your name, call in. Seize the moment. If you haven't registered yet, simply text the word DRAFT to 62620. That's DRAFT to 620620. Do not miss out on Arizona Sports Destination Detroit. This brought to you by Bud Light. All right. Recent NBA champions have done the thing. They've made an addition that has propelled them to the finals. Do the Suns have that move in them in the next 20 hours or so? That's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Hey, it's Vince Murata. Join us on Thursday morning. We'll spend part of the morning getting you ready for Suns Jazz at Footprint Center. Join us at 6 here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Trade deadline coming up 
tomorrow, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Bobby Marks was on Bickley and Murata today and said, it might be a little uneventful when it's all said and done. I feel like I'm a fisherman out to sea right now with the best bait in the world, and I'm just waiting for fish to catch because there's nothing, there's really, it's a slow market. And, yeah. you know, when you look at Phoenix and you look at Milwaukee and you look at, I guess, the Clippers or, you know, all these teams, Golden State certainly. Everybody's kind of um, kind of in the same boat, waiting for you know, waiting for the right deal and to to to, to appear here. I think there'll be trades, but it's not going to be the the high level guys that we've we've already seen here. Yeah, and and it's fair to wonder with the deadline coming up at one o'clock tomorrow. I mean, hell, you just basically gave Kellen Olsen the day off, right? You gave him, you gave him the power to go do what you want, Kellen. Yeah. You don't have anything to worry about today. I mean, listen, you know what I do every day. I mean, I check on this stuff every day. So you know, I talk to several teams around the league and check in just much as I can. I don't, I don't, I'm not really expecting anything with the Suns today. If anything yeah. happens, it'll be tomorrow, and I'm not sure anything's going to happen at all. It's possible the big, heavy lifting stuff has been done. Pascal Siakam has got it traded. Bruce Brown's been traded. OG yes. Ananombi's been traded. R.J. Barrett's been traded. Terry Rozier, Stephen Adams, Victor Oladipo. There are other names out there, of course. DeMar DeRozan is a big one. Alex Caruso's one. You know, the Bulls, if they decide to dismantle DeJounte Murray, obviously, is probably still the biggest name out there. Maybe something like that happens. Um, but it's very possible that what Bobby Mark said this morning with Dan and Vince is absolutely correct. It could be a very unavailable full trademark. And from a Sun standpoint, this is, again, something we've talked a lot about, but we'll bring it up again. There are limited assets in which the Suns have to trade, and it's going to make their ability to get involved in these markets very, very difficult. Now, that being said, you, there was a story today on NBA.com that kind of pointed out something that I think most people who know the NBA know, and that is that there have been very impactful trades in the NBA over the last few years yes. that have led to championships. The interesting, I looked at the list again. Again, and the interesting thing about a lot of those trades is that only two of them were in the middle of the season. The rest of them happened before the season started. Good point. Good which point. Makes me wonder if the Suns' acquisition of Bradley Beal could be considered will there. one day be on this list. That's yeah, a good point. It's a will, good point. Will one day show up as hey, this was a trade that got the Suns the championship. Because I was looking at that trade, I was looking at one of the trades. And I'm like, well, that was before the season. Well, so was that one. So was that one. Like the midseason trip. Yeah, there were a couple. But a lot of them happened before the season even started. And maybe Beal shows up on that list. So they mentioned, they mentioned six recent trades that helped fuel NBA championships. Kawhi led it to the Raptors. It's an off-season deal. Marcus Gasol to the Raptors. Uh, that was a deadline deal. Anthony Davis to the Lakers. Off-season deal. Andrew Wiggins to the Warriors. That was a deadline deal. Drew Holiday to the Bucks. I believe that was an off-season deal. And then, uh, you know, Mitch's favorite deal of all time, Aaron Gordon to the Nuggets. Mid-season deal. Okay, so I was wrong. Three of them were mid-season deals. Three of them were, were off-season deals. Right, but okay. when Aaron Gordon got to the Nuggets, it was the first year they didn't win it. Right. Murray was out. Uh-huh. So Aaron Gordon to the Nuggets eventually got him a championship, but it wasn't that year. That year, he got there. Then Jamal Murray went out for the year. The next year, they were able to, when they got when Murray came back, they were able to win it all. Yeah, it, it's it's it, it, that's the other thing, too, is that if Bradley Beal doesn't work, Work out this year, 
Hey, and I don't know if Bradley Beal's going to be in this category or not. I mean, heck, we might put Kevin Durant in this category, I suppose, if you really want to hit Zoom out and do it. It might not necessarily happen right away. Aaron Gordon didn't happen right away for the for the, the Nuggets. It has to be remembered that it took a while for that to stick. Right. I'll say this. It's like the Kurt Schilling trade here. Yeah, of course. The first year. With Buck Showalter as the manager, the D-backs did not win the World Series. They got Schilling hopeful to get in the playoffs. They didn't even, I don't think they even got in the playoffs, right? Or did they lose that first year? They No, in the 2000 season, they didn't even they didn't make, the get, make the playoffs. But then the next, the, year the, they, the next year, they won it. The next year, they did. And they fired Buck, and they hired Bob, and they got into the postseason, and they made their run. Yeah, but they didn't even... They didn't even make the postseason in 2000, unless I'm remembering it wrong, but I don't think I am. Um, so sometimes these things can take a while. The thing is, if, if we're talking about midseason trades, I'll tell you right now, I, there's, there, there is not a deal out there that will propel the Suns to the NBA championship. There's not. There, there's, there, there's, no. There's the, not. the deal that would propel the Suns to the NBA championship is like you just mentioned, the Bradley Beal trade in the offseason, the Kevin Durant trade. A year for a year ago. It's been made. Those are the trades that if the Suns are going to win a championship, it's not anything they're going to do now that's going to overshadow what they did by getting Peel and Kevin Durant. No. And then along those lines, too, and we both saw the story, I think it was yesterday, Windhorst was talking about this on ESPN.com, about how, like, in 2019 was the first mega draft pick trade. All those picks for Paul George, right? Yes. None of those have worked. None of those have yielded a championship no. yet. A team that has given up, you know, four first round picks, five first round picks, right? If the Suns were to win a championship this year or next, assuming somebody doesn't beat them to it this year, they'd be the first team to have successfully executed a trade in which they gave up massive amounts of draft picks in the name of winning an NBA yeah. championship. Rudy Gobert, Kevin Durant both traded for four first-round picks and one swap. Donovan Mitchell for three first and three swaps. Harden, Harden traded three times for six first-round picks. Russell, Russell Westbrook traded four times. No championships. Like, no championships. So when you look at some of the biggest mega trades that went down, Paul George, KD, Rudy Gobert, Harden, Mitchell, Westbrook, those mega trade deals, none of them led to a title. Guess you could say Anthony Davis did though, didn't he? Wasn't that a mega trade yeah. contract? That was yeah. a that was a mega that was a mega trade draft pick deal that went down. I think that one might have counted as one though. Have to yeah, because they got sure. what they got. They got they got Ingram in that deal. They got all the draft picks in that deal, and eventually they won a championship. Yeah, um, but is you know it it is interesting when you see a lot of the deals that were made. I mean, the Clippers traded five first round picks and two pick swaps to Oklahoma City for Paul George. Yeah, it was. Now, maybe it, they get it this year, but they haven't got it yet. Yeah, it was AD for Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, the draft rights to DeAndre Hunter, two first round picks, and a first round pick swap. So it wasn't okay. It was three. It was two picks and a pick swap. It wasn't the massive. We're giving you four picks. We're giving you five picks. We're giving you whatever. It was kind of somewhere in between. All right, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show. Open phones here on Arizona Sports. It's time to hear from you, and we're going to pose this question to you. If the Suns do nothing between now and 1 o'clock tomorrow, you cool with that? You okay? Is there anything for them to do? But if they do nothing, and this stand pat, and this is the team, are you down? 
your call, 602-260-9870. 602-260-9870 is the telephone number. We look forward to hearing from you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, open phones. Today's topic, trade deadline tomorrow, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Phoenix Suns linked to some rumors out there. Miles Bridges is probably the one player they've been linked to the most. One player that they were linked to a little bit in the last 24 hours or so has been traded. Simone Fontecchio went from the Utah Jazz to the Detroit Pistons. One other Western Conference rival, the Minnesota Timberwolves, got a little bit better today. They got Monty Morris in a deal with the Detroit Pistons. He'll be a good serviceable backup point guard for them if healthy. But the Suns, limited assets, very little they can do. Not a whole lot they can move, not a whole lot they can add. And the sense that I'm getting from Gambo and his reporting, and it's just a sense, I don't know, there's something might happen between now and 1 o'clock tomorrow, is that there's a decent chance the Suns don't do anything. That there's just nothing for them to do that makes them better enough to be worth the trouble of giving up the limited assets they have. They've tried. They just and, and some of the deals they just don't have enough to get a player. So, you know that's where they've been caught. You know, between a rock and a hard place because they can't make some trades. So if that's what it ends up being, are we cool with that? Let's go to Eli first in Sun City. Joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Eli, welcome to the program. How are we doing today? Hey, pretty good, guys. Um, love the show. Um, I just think um, I'm perfectly okay if we absolutely do nothing. I'll never forget the Kamara trade. And I was like, man, why we get rid of that guy? And my friends and I have been talking. I'm like, they better not get rid of Bull Bull. And I'm going to the game tomorrow night. I'm going to try to get a Bull Bull jersey in my size. That's what I got, guys. Love the show. All right, he's coming on the show at 4 o'clock, too. So Bull Bull on the show at 4. Do they sell Bull Bull jerseys? I'm sure they do. I, I I, 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 I imagine they do. I would think that they do. Uh, Tumani Kamara, yeah, I haven't thought about that cat in a while, but he's had a nice season yeah, when he's yeah, played he's, for they, Portland. They, they, yeah, they like he's, done, he's done well. Mike is in Florence. He's next up here on Burns and Gamble. Mike, you okay if they don't do anything tomorrow? Burns and Gamble, what's going on? What's going uh, on? What's going on? I'm fine with it, honestly. With, you know, getting back to what Gamble was saying, you know, a.k.a. the rumor reaper. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I want this team to have continuity. Every game that they play, every W that they gain, it's just building a building block towards continuity for, you know, the, the end game, the bigger picture. I don't see with the assets the Suns have, I don't see them getting a game changer. Somebody like, oh, yeah, we got him. Who's available? And Miles Bridges, don't even get me started on that. We don't need that drama in the locker room and all the baggage that comes with that. But that's just the way I feel. But and Miles yeah, was always Miles was always going to be extremely difficult to get a deal done. It's not that they don't like him; they like him, but. From the get-go, very hard to get a deal done because you just don't have a lot that you could trade. And, you know, you don't get his bird right, so it's not like you could even keep him, right? You you wouldn't be able to keep him in the offseason. You go sign somewhere else. I don't like him. I don't. I, I'm, I hope it doesn't happen. I don't want him here. I've always said the chances are very slim, even though a lot of people say, no, it's a done deal. They've already agreed to Nas Little and two second rounders, and it's not what I'm hearing. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's not what I've heard. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Brent in Jacksonville, North Carolina, going long distance on today's Burns and Gambo show, all the way across the country. Brent, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you? How's it going? Good. Good. Um... 
The one thing I would say is I, I agree with what you were saying earlier, Burns, about if the Suns were to pick up somebody at a trade deadline tomorrow, could they be have more of an impact in Josh Okoge, Drew Eubanks, Bull Bull? And I don't really think once you get to 7, 8, 9, 10 that any of those guys are really tradable assets. The only guy that I could really look at that you may be able to get some type of value from would be somebody like Eric Gordon. Because honestly, I think he, him and Grayson Allen, they largely play the same type of role on offense. I think Grayson Allen gives you a little bit more on defense and is a little bit of a better uh, passer and facilitator than Eric Gordon. So I think what the Suns need to be thinking is, you know, I can confidently say that they're the third best team in the Western Conference right now. So you need to start, you need to start thinking down the line. You know, how are we going to match up with the Denver Nuggets or the, or the L.A. Clippers? Those are two teams that we're going to have to go through if we want to make an NBA Finals run. So you got Kevin Durant to guard a guy like Paul George or, or Kawhi Leonard. So if you get rid, of, get rid of, try to trade Eric Gordon for maybe somebody with a, a decent three ball and some size, like a bigger forward with some defensive abilities, the name that comes up to me is somebody like Jay Crowder. I think this, this team could use, you know, could really use him uh, right about now. So he, he certainly, I was watching him play last night, and I, I know he's not available, you know, at least I don't think he's available, but certainly that's the type of player that in a perfect world the Suns would be able to get. That's the type of guy that you'd be able to get. Now, it, it, you don't, I don't think you have the assets for a player who's as accomplished as Jake Crowder, but I would agree if you're drawing up in the lab the kind of player you would want. Somebody physical, somebody who's a wing, somebody who can defend physically out on the perimeter, somebody who can hit an open three because they're going to get an open three. A guy like that would be, if you're drawing it up in a laboratory somewhere, the kind of player you'd want the Phoenix Suns to go get. Takes too many shots. <laughs> Jay? He takes too many. He just sometimes he'll take 10 threes in a game. I think he's like he's t- not Grayson Allen. Like, I don't like, uh, I don't think on this team he would. I don't think on this team, the oh, way it's constructed, man. he would take as many shots as he does. Because I don't think he'd get the minutes to be able to take that many shots. You know, sometimes I think Eric Gordon takes a few too many shots sometimes. Like, he, he gets it, he's, he's shooting it. And I would agree. I don't know if you can move Eric Gordon. But I would agree with him, the caller, in that Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen, at times there is a little bit of a redundancy between the sure, two. they're very similar right? they're, they're, they're very similar guys. Richard Impuri is next up here on Burns and Gamble during our open phone segment talking about what if the Suns do nothing tomorrow. Are we cool with that, Richard? Well, here's my take. First off, I want to say I'm a huge fan of both of you guys. I love listening to your show. Thank you. I can if I'm not working. <laughs> so it's an honor for me to listen to you guys. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. Hey, yeah, but, you know, here's my take. So KD said the other night, they're finally blending. They're, you know, they on that road trip, they finally got the blend. You know, they really came together as a team. So I feel now if they trade someone, you're going to bring someone new and now they got to re-blend again. And I feel like that's going to cause a delay. And it just it's not going to be good for the team. I think they got a great team. As long as they stay healthy, I think they have a great team and they can do it this year. I really do. But, hey, I appreciate you guys taking my call. Shout out to my wife, Stephanie. Love you. Hi, Steph. There you go, Steph. Hi, Steph. Sorry, he's working. You know, he can't be home with you right now. Work-life balance is hard. Uh, listen, the last call, a previous call, I talked about how you know Clippers and Nuggets are ahead of them. I think the Suns are right there with those teams, but I agree that the Clippers and the Nuggets are ahead. But I think the Suns are very capable of winning. And listen, you, you can't discount that. The more time this team plays together, they you know hopefully will get better and better and peak when the playoffs start. I think most of the blending is done. 
The blending is about the big three. You know, you go out and add somebody in the deadline. We're talking about what? Your eighth best player, your ninth best player. It would have I, to be because they're not going to add anybody yeah, if, unless it's that. I, I don't think that that I, there would be a little blending involved. I think most of the blending is done with this team in terms of what needs to be done. Let's sneak in one more. Steven Scottsdale here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Steve, welcome, man. What's on your mind? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Good show. Hey, um, I, I don't think that they should uh, make too many moves because, you know, there's a lot to be said for chemistry on a team and bringing in somebody who's marginally helpful. Probably not the best way to go. I just say I'd uh, dance with the ones that bring in and let this thing ride as far as it can. Stay pat. All right. Thanks for the call, Steve. We appreciate it. Buyout market. Let's see who's available in the buyout market. I got yeah. I got little spidey senses tingling and telling me that there's going to be a name or two on the buyout market that's going to be very intriguing to us. Listen, we say this all the time too. Like you don't, you only have a limited amount of second round picks. Like if you have to save them for next year, save them for next year, or save them for the off season. Yeah, you don't have to trade those picks now. You don't. You know, it's not a rule. You have to. Yeah, will you lose the trade exception? Will you lose the the aggregating of salaries and adding money to a kind? Like you'll lose a lot of things, but so be it. Like you're not going to make a bad move and give up two second round picks that you would be able to use for the future. That's why I thought what Kellen said earlier, and I know Kevin Zimmerman wrote about this too, is really interesting to consider, and this makes it an even harder needle to thread. If you can find somebody that you can come that you can keep for next year, either a restricted free agent or somebody whose bird rights you do own, that would be highly advantageous, right? Because you could find a guy, you could sign a guy, and that gives you another middle-of-the-road salary to be able to eventually trade at some point down the road. Suns don't have enough of those contracts, right? They got Nurk, they got Grayson Allen, and everyone's either making a fortune or making nothing. The more middle salaries you've got, the more trade options you have, and it'd be nice if they could make a trade, find a guy, and then re-sign him in the offseason so he'd help you next year, but he could also be a tradable asset somewhere down the road. But that is really trying to thread a needle. Listen for your name today coming up in oh, about a half hour or so. Your chance to qualify and win a trip for two to witness the Cardinals make their pick in Detroit. When you hear your name, call in, seize the moment. And if you haven't registered yet, text the word DRAFT to 620-620. That's DRAFT to 620-620. Do not miss out. Get in. Arizona Sports Destination Detroit. And it's brought to you by Bud Light. Coyotes, it's a lot of talk out there about their new home in the Valley. Not all of it's good. And we'll explain what we mean next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Everybody, Dan Bickley here, and Thursday means we're getting real close to the Super Bowl. We'll begin getting deep with the 49ers and the Chiefs starting at 6 a.m. on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Okay, we're going to go down a road that we've gone down many, many times over the last several years when it comes to the Coyotes, and that is speculation about their future because it's a never-ending Topic. God, is it? It is a never-ending topic. It never ends. It, <sighs> it, it never. It never. It sometimes I Recurring. sit back and I think about yes, how many times we've had this conversation and this what if and kind of this moment, and my head gets a little spinny when I think about it. Uh, the Coyotes, for what it's worth, their All-Star break is over. They're back on the ice tomorrow when they take on Vegas at Mullet Arena. And it's kind of in that building that a lot of the controversy has kind of sprung from because they're playing in this college arena and they're set to play there for the next few years while they try to figure out their arena situation.
situation out right now. We, we played the comments from Gary Bettman during All-Star break in which he was reasonably confident something was going to get done. Uh, we played the comments from uh, the head of the Players Association in the NHL, Marty Walsh, in which he was disappointed with the Coyotes' ownership for not looping the Players Association into their plans and supporting relocation if it came to that. Um, today... NHL insider Elliot Friedman was on Sportsnet 590, the fan today, and he was kind of responding Gamo to a report from Frank Saravalli on the Daily Faceoff website that suggested the plans for the Coyotes' future in the desert could be announced in the next few weeks and possibly as early as this weekend. Okay. You know, when it comes to securing land and building an arena. I don't think that's possible, like that. but okay. Uh, and there's and he talked about that a little bit. He talked about the, the bid process that's underway. There's a meeting tomorrow between uh, it's the Arizona Land Bureau, whatever it is, and they're the ones who are in charge of uh, allowing auctions. And if people have been familiar with this Arizona situation, um, that one of the things that the Coyotes have discussed, and they claim they're looking at multiple things, is the idea of buying a piece of land that would be up for auction. Now, he says that he's kind of done the research on this, so maybe this has changed, maybe this hasn't. But the, the Coyotes' bid currently is not on the agenda of things to discuss at this meeting right now, right? That, that, I've heard that even if they do have an auction on this land, it would be in March, and that you'll have... Have, uh, some big hitters coming in to try to buy that land, like Banner and Mayo. Um, so there'll be some heavy hitters. There's no guarantee um, that the bid will go to an auction, but if there is an auction for that land, it's probably not going to be in for another month or so. And it doesn't even, there's no guarantee that you can even get the land. Yeah. Now, again, this is speculative, but this is Elliot Friedman on Sportsnet 590, the fan, saying that things don't feel promising right now for the current ownership. Group. I'll let him explain. I've done enough of this stuff to know that if they wanted to do this in camera, away from prying eyes, they could. But, you know, like, put it this way. It doesn't sound promising. Now, I've learned over the years not to jump to conclusions with the Coyotes yeah. because... Uh, deadlines become uh, movable, but if indeed there is going to be an yes, if indeed there's going to be an announcement this weekend or sometime in the very near future, it doesn't seem to be good for the current ownership group. Yeah, and that's where a lot of things come into play. If you Agree to buy this land. It could be tied up for another year with all, you know getting all the paperwork done and like it's just not okay. You bought the land. You could start. You could start digging tomorrow. It doesn't work like that. It may take up to a year to get everything finalized. But there's no guarantees even then that you'll be able to follow through with everything. So, you know, the NHL is just going on somebody's Alex Morello's word uh, on this. And again, you'd have to win the auction. The auction has to happen. You have to win the auction. And then a lot of things still have to fall in place for even that to go through that you could build. There'll be a lot of obstacles in the way. You're probably tying yourself into three to four more years of playing at the Mullet Arena, which clearly the NHLPA does not want. Players Association they does not want don't want, want them playing in this arena anymore. 4,500 seats. They don't even sell out those games. There's a revenue you know, avenue to this that they've got to address because it's costing revenue. So that's a problem. Now, a lot of people have said, well, maybe you know, Matt Ispia will buy the team. I can't see that. I, you, first of all, you can't put him at the Footprint Center. 
4,500 obstructed view seats. That's not going to happen. That's a revenue nightmare. Um, so you'd have to fix the arena and put hundreds of millions of dollars into it just to make the feasible for hockey. And it's already a 30-year-old arena. Mm-hmm. So I just don't see really that as an option. I mean, relocation was brought up to Salt Lake City. And to be honest with you, I mean, that seems like it's something that probably has a lot of legs to it. Yeah, it, it, it and that, that looms. You've got the owner up there of the Jazz who's making a lot of noise about wanting to get an NHL team. There's uh, Marty Walsh, as I mentioned, the player association. Association head uh, has talked about Salt Lake as being a, 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 a real destination for hockey as a city in which it could do very, very well. Potentially, look, we, we are if this feels if this feels familiar, it's because we've speculated about the future of the Coyotes for years upon years upon years. And we're still doing it. I would have thought that by what is they February 7th? I would have thought by now we would have had at least a clearer idea of, of where, where this was going to happen totally. and how this was going to totally. happen. Totally. Okay, not that there's been any deadlines stated or any it's got to be done by this day or else. Just in general, I would have thought, given the timelines that we're talking about, that by February 7th we would have needed to know something. And the fact that we don't know something has given – but this I do know. Elliot Friedman's a well-known NHL insider. He's going on a national radio show in Toronto or in Canada, and he's talking about, hey, there's some uncertainty here. Marty Walsh, the head of the Players Association, is talking about uncertainty. There is a little bit of a where there's smoke, there's fire element to this too, right? Where you're thinking, man, that's a lot of people speculating again about the future of the Coyotes and how this is going to work. And if you're a Coyotes fan, I got to imagine it's making you nervous because all you're hearing from the Coyotes is a restating of their commitment to staying here through a series of tweets. We're committed to staying here. We want to be here. This is home. We want to make it work but here. But said one parcel of land they're focused on, but then it seems like in all the other mentions, it's like where, yeah, we're looking at a few different pieces of land. So did somebody tell Batman that they've got it? Like, because Batman made it seem like there's one parcel of land where everything else that came out, they're still looking at other areas uh, to go to. Now, you know, if somebody comes to Alex Morello and says, look, I'll buy the team for you. I mean, Ottawa sold for $950 million. Does he sell the team if somebody offers him a billion dollars? Here's a billion dollars. I'll take the team. We'll go to Salt Lake. Now, I know Salt Lake would probably rather have the expansion team. The NHL likes expansion fees, too, because it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money for Five, the owners six, to split 700. Up, sure. How much are you going to get? You might get a billion dollars for an expansion team. Yeah. You might. I don't know. The story, it, it never ends, does it? It never, it, it, it never. It's going, this one's going to end. This one is. This is going to be the one. This, is, the, this, this is the final. It, this is the final countdown. This, this is, is the, it. Like this is it. The I end mean, of the road, is, one way or another. You could tell the, that it, there is a boiling point on this one that there weren't on previous ones. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, he has become a cult favorite here in the Valley. You could tell the minute he took off his warmups and entered that game last night, and he's rewarding the fans with his recent great play. Bull Bull, son's big man, joins us next on the Burns and Gambo show.